I'm sure anyone who listens to this podcast is perfectly aware that I it's, well, it's pretty clear I don't make notes and I ramble. But I just listened to this episode I'm about to put out and it's it's particularly bad in that category of um, being very unclear and rambling and jumping about. So instead of record, re-recording the whole thing, I'm just going to give some context so that hopefully it makes more sense. So I'm, I'm talking about three different events in this. Right at the beginning, I refer to Andy Goodman, uh, Grizzly Peaks podcast, and talking very briefly about player etiquette, um, mainly to say that that particular discussion has no bearing on what I'm about to talk about next. I just wanted to, I realised that there was a, a sort of parallel there, and I wanted to be make it clear that what, I, what I'm about to say in the sec, next bit is sort of a related topic, but nothing nothing to do with that particular episode. Um, so it's no comment on uh, the playtest that Barney ran with um, Andy Goodman, Safer and, and uh, Spencer and others. So nothing to do with that. Separate. Um, just want to make that clear because I didn't make it very clear. I tried to, but, well, I didn't. <laughs> I managed to establish that. And then the second bit of what I talk about is an actual play. And this is the main substance of what I talk, talked about. I watched an actual play on YouTube, which was... Um, you know, I think it was a, a play test of a system. So a number of players turned up online to play with the DM to test out a scenario. Um, so people had committed their time to that, that event and obviously the DM wanted to, you know, record this for publication and um, and for, presumably for play test, place testing the system. And then the other third topic I'm talking about is how that actual game mirrored uh, something that happened in my game, a game I ran back in about 1988, where in my game there also was a Maverick player who um, took actions which arguably destabilised the whole game and, and, and put that game in jeopardy of basically, um, well, in, in my case, it, that, that adventure ended abruptly because of that, those actions. So... Hopefully that two and a half minutes or so of, of uh, upfront chat hopefully clarifies the next 15 minutes of rambling. <laughs> I hope so. All right. Cheers, everyone. Bye. Hey, up. Goblin Century here. So before I get into this episode, I just want to quickly say that uh, Zine Quest 3 officially starts tomorrow. And if you're vaguely interested in sort of an astral sea setting for OSE, well... There is a project called Planar Compass, Issue 2. Um, if that floats your boat, as it were, your astral blo- boat, then check it out. I'm doing a little bit of work on that. A few hex flowers, um, one for astral navigation and one for a sort of living dungeon type thing. So if that's your your bag, or you're interested in hex flowers generally, you can give it a check. Check it out. Okay, but um, what I was thinking about, um, was talking about today is sort of um and it's all, almost and it's not my intention actually but it almost ties into some of the conversations that Andy Goodman is having on um Expedition to Grizzly Peaks podcast about player etiquette and interactions um and you know it was talking a little bit about how I the Andy's last episode at least last time I checked 
talking, I left a message on his show um, about um, how I thought in that scenario, the way, because it was a, a one-shot playtest, I think there was an expectation from the game, which was a sort of Cthulhu explore, exploration type game, and that was the sort of genre, if you like, but the actual one-shot playtest was much more at an action point, so the, the, the exploration bit hadn't happened yet. So I think there were some players that were in the mindset to do exploration of the, the plot, and um, there appeared to be one player who was uh, more, you know, reacting to the actual scenario. This is what I do, this is how I, you know, play it. And, you know, there's a bit of dialogue about that, and I left a message with um, Safer, in, that, in this case, who it is, um, talking about that, and he responded, um, I don't know if his message has come out yet, but it will come out on Andy's show, but he more or less said that part of his part of his thing was, you know, he was, yes, A, reacting to the scenario and adapting his style as he went, but also he was actually playing his character as well, who might be the sort of chap who knocks heads together prematurely when he shouldn't, so he was actually role-playing the character, knowing that the other other players may pull him, pull him up and say, wait a minute, we don't need to be so hasty, so, you know, I'll, I'll let that episode come out. But this episode, I, what I would like to talk to is almost a related matter, and, I, and before I started recording, I hadn't really seen the parallels, because it reminded me of something else that happened when I was, you know, back in, you know, something like 1988, that sort of time when I was DMing as a teenager. But what it is, is a player who, and and this is no, you know, because I've mentioned Safer and all the rest of it, this is no no comment on him, it's a completely different thing, a different kind of angle. So just drawing a line, I'm just saying there is a, a parallel in this topic, in terms of um, player interaction, player-player interaction and etiquette. But I was watching an actual play where there was one of the players who was basically a bit of a maverick. Um, now, I don't think he was meaning any ill intent at all, but because of, I think it was an actual play where the DM wanted to you know, broadcast it and explore a setting and test out the game, I think his reactions were a little more coddled than he may have been in a different scenario. Um, because essentially, there was, I think, three, interac three interactions that this Maverick player had. I think in each case, two of the two of the actions could have ended the scenario for the whole game for the that adventure, and one of the scenarios could have ended the game for that one player immediately. Um, but I think it was a testimony to the DM skill, games master skill, that because he wanted the game to persist for the other players and whatnot, that he adapted the plot so that it it kept going in a way that was allowed the game to progress rather than just saying oh golly why do you do that you just like you know the the whole you know the whole plot's up um can i can i talk about what this player did without because I don't, I don't want people to think i'm slagging anyone off so i'm gonna be careful what i say so let me just think so the first scenario so all right so it's it, and, and and the reason it interests me because it takes as i said relates to some other scenario that i had when i was a kid or a teenager but essentially, on two occasions, this Maverick player took actions which was basically an attempt to kill or attack the plot giver, if you like, the person who was setting up the adventure, you know, the one that was like, come he, come to me and I will bestow upon you the, 
this you know the quest <laughs> essentially you know um both attempt one one attempt was a kind of more reckless just you know attempt on their uh, like a blind rash sort of attack and the other one was a much more direct and actual attack um and it was interesting because I, I basically i went back and rewound it just because before i talked this episode i'm gonna check it was the same player and it was in each case i basically watched the reactions of the other players and certainly the first reckless attempt eyebrows were raised by the other three players and i think the dm they kind of sidestep this, you know, because the quest giver's sort of nominally attacked, you know, the quest giver's going away, isn't he? He's not going to hang around. Um, but I think the DM nimbly dodged out, and the second attempt was, you know, like I say, a much more forceful attack that, you know, basically couldn't be ignored. And again, the reaction of the other players was one of a little bit of, you know, I think, surprise, and possibly, I don't know, possibly feigned annoyance, well, not feigned annoyance, uh, cloaked annoyance, because... You know, they've all turned up to play this game and the guys had two pot shots at killing off the quest giver, so <laughs> where's the to go from here if he succeeds? And then there was another point where he, this player had to make a choice and there was a big foreshadowing that if he made this choice, his life would be forfeit. And he went, yeah, do it anyway. So again, I think the DM was literally kind of forced with a choice to say, yep, you're dead. And then, you know, that one player is now out of the game within 15 minutes of, you know, the scenario starting. And then what are they doing for the next three hours? And, you know, the other players will probably feel a bit of a negative taste in their mouths because, you know, it feels a little bit like, oh, excluding someone Im immediately. But that player, to me, was, to my mind anyway, and, and you know, I suppose because DM did a good job of adapting and, and, and role-playing it out and fi figure out ways to make this not a terminal event for the game, if you like, gave some sort of maverick kind of flavour to it. Oh my goodness, it's all spiralling out of control. Maybe I'm boring. Maybe I'm thinking, oh gosh, maybe I should be embracing the, the chaos. But anyway, so the reason why it really reminded me of something was that when I was on my, on my blog a couple of weeks ago, I put up a dungeon map, one that I drew by hand, from 1988. It's pretty sketchy because it was a sketch. It was never designed for publishing. It was just my note in my book. And, you know, I've got little scratchy writings next to all the encounters and whatnot. Um, but what happened in that? I had, I had quite, when I was back in the day, I was, you know, DM, whatever it was, 14, 15, running for a group of, you know, eight, quite a big group, eight, nine people. I don't know. It was, you know, big, big-ish. And we'd all like huddle into a room. But there was there was one player back in the day who was, I don't know. Basically, we got to certain. He joined, so he wasn't part of the original group. He he joined in, and it was fine. And then he started doing kind of these wild card maverick things that were, you know, destabilizing. I remember. I can't remember exactly. He did one thing which I let sort of pass because I did what essentially this DM did, which was recover. You know, like all right, okay, fine. We'll we'll kind of take a, an oblique choice that doesn't maybe make sense to for the betterment of the, the gameplay. But in this 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 particular encounter, um later you know, this was, you know, maybe next week or the week after or something, um it was pretty much the same scenario. There was a there was a I don't know, I don't know what the name of this demon is anymore. He's uh he, he's the the demon that looks like he's got a cuttlefish on his head. You know, not not a you know, not a what are they called? Githy? No, not a Githy. Uh, not a Mind Flare. Not that. It actual. I think it's a Monster Manual 2. It's sort of a, a 
think he might be a Piscadon or something. He's basically like a fishy name. But he's got like lobster claws and a sort of cuttlefish-like head. Anyway, so the premise was, I think there was a dungeon, there was a well, and there was three levels on the well, and the bottom well was this, this particular dungeon. So you went through this tunnel and there was a, like a room, this demon was waiting in there. A demon was, you know, they all came in to speak and the demon was doing this kind of spiel about, you know, if you go get me the, the chalice from this dungeon and you bring it back to me, I will reward you handsomely. And the premise was this demon was going to then try to use this artifact or whatever it was to cause a sort of uprising in hell, some sort of coup or something. I, 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 you know, those, you know, and the whole thing was maybe set up for a <clears throat> ongoing kind of quest giver kind of thing, and maybe you know I hadn't thought it through. It could have, you know, anything could have happened, but um, and you know, and this this room had like a, it was only an antechamber that had a, like a like a pentagram that teleported you into a dun dungeon. So while I was as DM, you know, coming up with this spiel about setting up the plot and everyone, you know, the other eight, nine people in the room or whatever it was, seven, eight people in the room were listening to this and, and thinking, wow, this is a cool adventure. And, you know, I talked to people afterwards a little bit, so they were quite up for it. But this one player then maverickly drew his sword and charged and tried to take this thing's head off. And I can't remember why, because I had this pentagram that teleports, he just teleported into a dungeon to safety. And essentially that was the end of the dungeon. Like, all that prep to go and, you know, it wasn't complete loss because I could have used it again. But, you know, I will say now it was never used again. The players moved on, we did other things. But essentially, I just thought, I can't just have every time this player wants to do something completely, you know, against the sort of, well, do I say game etiquette? Everyone knows that... When you go into a dungeon, you know, there's a there's a bit of a conceit that you've got to accept the <laughs> accept the quest before you, otherwise the DM's got nothing. You know, he has to make up a dungeon on the fly. And I, I did that many times. I mean, I once did a I remember when I was a kid we did a twenty four hour game where it was for charity and obviously I didn't have twenty four hours of material, so and I often made up stiff stuff as I went along. It was you know, I just thought oh, that was a better idea and just like completely made it up. But yeah, as I said, in this case, the the action was just so out of place and out of kilter. And then I just thought, well, what's he going to do? He's either going to blast these people, get out of Dodge. And he just, this demon just did the teleport. And then, and everyone's like, why'd you do that? And I think it was weird, you know, it was kind of like a weird acting out. Because like I say, this wasn't, this began to be a little bit of a pattern where this behaviour was basically, I don't know whether he was bored of playing the game. Um, I'm supposed to say... Well, is it supposed to say? But anyway, I think some weeks or, you know, sessions later, he, he didn't bother coming back. He wasn't, he wasn't thrown out or <coughs> not invited back, but he just stopped coming. So I think he must have been bored. I mean, or that was, you know, it was a good time. Everyone had great fun. So I think he just was not happy with the conceit of, of uh, you know, having to accept a little bit of, um, you know, accepting that there is a you know accepting the premise that you know as a dungeon master you've got to kind of go along with it a bit you know play along um with the game so that we can all have that then you have the adventure you know i'm not against you know wacky things happening and all that but there's a certain point where you can't just buck it anyway so i thought it was interesting because um watching that actual play really reminded me of that scenario and I do wonder if if it wouldn't wasn't if in that actual play I was watching today if there hadn't been 
a lot you know a live stream recording play test all that scenario whether the dm would have been quite so forgiving i mean would you just torch you know when this character attacked the quest giver would that be the end of the quest let's do something else or given that this quest giver was quite powerful would he have basically wasted this character um, especially when he he was foreshadowed that if you did x you would die and then pledge did x anyway um it would have been quite easy then for the dm to say right well you're a pile of ashes what are the rest of you doing <laughs> um so like i said i haven't watched the rest of it and as I said, the players, the other players did look quite shocked by this. Um, or at least, you know, I think they, some of them did a better job of cloaking their emotions than others, and maybe I'm seeing more in it. But, um, you know, I think there was a high chance there in a <clears throat> in a regular game that would have been it. And uh, I don't think anyone would have been thanking Maverick Player. But that said, rowing back, you know, the, the, the scenario did develop in an interesting way because of it. Um, but I don't think I would... I don't think I could have that player in my game on a long-term basis if, you know, every action was break the adventure before it even began. Um, anyway, I thought it was interesting. I think maybe possibly more interesting than me because I had a, a very visceral memory of this adventure that never was. Um, yeah, all right, well, that's it, I suppose. Um, I'll just wrap up again by saying if you're interested in Astral stuff, check out Zine Quest 3, playing a compass number two. Um, all right, cheers everyone. Have a good one. Bye.